Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. (laughs) I am David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. We're so glad y'all are here. This is Don't Miss This. Welcome to everybody who's new and everybody who's old and everyone who's medium. <laughs> okay. That didn't mean your age, like not new to the earth or old to the earth, like new along with us, right? Okay. Welcome. Okay. We're doing 2 Nephi 26 through 30 today. We'll let you look at the board. Which, it's not that busy. It's yeah, an easy board. The, no, the papers really lends to a lot of um, kind of personal looking and personal studies and what I like about doing this sometimes is this. I was uh, at a meeting just this last weekend. Um, it was a broadcast, so I wasn't actually there, with Elder Bednar. And as he was talking, I sat there and I listened. And it was interesting how many of the things he said that I thought, oh, that I need to focus on that a little bit more. Where I could recognize in myself a, oh, you're kind of like um, vulnerable in this spot. Like I could see it in myself as I sat and listened. And this might be one of those places where there will be a lot of that kind of introspection. Um, this is a prophecy. It's um, Nephi talking directly and specifically to our day, to the last days, um, the days right before the millennium, before Jesus comes again. And so you're going to see yourself in a lot of the verses. And and uh, anyway, so we wanted to leave like a, a good spot for not only the things that are like, oh, we want to be warned against and to be careful about, but also things to really, really look forward to. Um, we love how at the end of this um, set of chapters in Second Nephi 30, there's a verse, verse 10, that says, For the time speedily cometh that the Lord shall cause a great division among the people. And it's a division that is going to end at the very end of the world. That's, that's where the final division happens. But I love how it talks about the Lord shall cause a great division to come among the people and how we a little bit feel that in the world we're living in today, that there's division and there's contention and everywhere around us, you feel that disconnect sometimes. And as we read through those chapters, those are the some of the things that you want to be looking for is where do I see that division? Where do I clearly see a choice being made one way or the other. And we saw it a little bit in First Nephi. We saw it in chapter 13 and 14, 14 yeah. right in a row where it talked about the two churches. And we didn't have time when we were there to include that part, but you have got plenty of room if you are making notes um, to be able to go through and look at how were the churches described in 13 and 14 of first nephi not second nephi but first nephi and make some note of those things because it's going to describe and let's talk about the churches yeah i think yeah this is really important you're going to see it in the chapters right now but if you go back um let's look at this verse well look at if you look at first nephi 13 for just a second 13 verse 5 it talks about this formation of a church that is most abominable above all other churches I don't know how many churches existed in Nephi's day. So this is a translated word. 
that's trying to convey an idea that doesn't necessarily mean the you church know, down the street. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's really, really important because listen to this, verse 5. Um, it slays the saints of God and tortures them and binds them and yokes them with a yoke of iron. Like, I don't think you know any church-going folks <laughs> that are that are like that. Yeah. And you'll see that in Second Nephi also where it talks about there's going to be many, many different churches and they will teach. Are we going to get into that? Yeah. That they'll teach that there's no God, that there's no miracles and that's just not what we find among people of faith. Like we don't find people of faith who are going around saying, God is not here. God doesn't do miracles. I'm going to slay you and yoke you down. So be careful in reading it and thinking it's an actual like religious organization. Yeah, we would not assign that name to any of the religious sects that are that make up our communities. Ever, because here's the division. He says in chapter 14, sorry, back in First Nephi again. He says, there are actually only two churches. This is 1 Nephi 14.10. One is the church of the Lamb of God, and the other is the church of the devil. And if you think about those two divisions, anybody who is following the Lamb of God in their life would belong to that church. That's not the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That is anybody that is seeking to follow him in their life, which could include anybody who's adhering to the spirit of christ moroni later in the book of mormon will say the spirit of christ is given to all people in this world and 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 you would say and i would say i think anybody who's trying to follow that conscious the spirit of christ is following him Mm -hmm. and the other church is the church of the devil and you would say wait what is the devil's like what's most the characteristic of the devil started in the pre-mortal world is a deliberate rebellion and fight against God. That is who would belong to this other church. Somebody who's deliberately trying to destroy the work of God. Yeah, so And the plan. Right, his plan. right, right. right. Mm-hmm. So it's just those two. So where do you find those? Could you find them in um, among religious organizations? I guess. But those words don't mean actual like religious churches. They're ideas, they're And as you go through, that's going to become clear really fast. As you go through and start making these lists of um, some of the things that you see between the two churches, but you're also going to see them listed here at the dangers of the last days and where you can find protection in the last days. And again, those will, they'll just fit hand in hand with those two different churches that we learned about in 1 Nephi. This is almost a follow-up of that. Um, We wanted to give you some ideas of what you're looking for here. So as you go through these chapters and as you're reading and maybe you read in chunks, you'll just want to keep your journal by you and just write as you go here. This would be a danger and this would be something that would protect. And you're also looking for promises as you're reading through. And we gave you hints of a couple places like you'll see a lot of these in 28, but that doesn't mean you're not gonna see them in 26 and 27 and 29 and 30, but you'll see a majority in 28 and the protection a majority in 26 and 30 and promises in 29, but they really are sprinkled through the whole thing. So you'll just be watching for them. Um, Don't you wonder what Nephi like saw? Like did yes. you see like an actual like vision, like the tree of life or was he kind of impressed with ideas, you know, of like, what was already his time that was just compounded, maybe? Yeah, that he's maybe. just seen something different. It would just yeah. be interesting to know. And you love how he describes it because we we can find, you'll find yourself in here as you're looking. Um, he talks about that some of the dangers that will be in our time is pride. 
and that it will become a stumbling block for many who have built up churches. Um, it will be putting down the power and miracles of God. It will be using their own wisdom and creating their own learning. Uh, these words, envying, strifes, and malice, secret combinations, those would all be things that you would be looking for as a danger or a description of what that um, church would look like. On the other hand, he wants to say to us what Christ says, what his church looks like, what, what he offers for as a protection is um, a community that says, come in verse 25. I'm in chapter 26, 25 of Second Nephi. Come. Um, it's a church where everything is given freely to the people um, where um, they say everybody's welcome. All are privileged. There's not just one group who qualifies for the privilege of the Lord, but everybody qualifies for it. It's a church that labors, it tells us in verse 31. Um, I like when it goes through in 32 and talks about what we know. It's a group of people who don't murder, they don't lie, they don't steal, they don't take the name of the Lord their God in vain. Um, it just is listing out, this will actually protect you Whereas this other road is going to lead down to dangerous circumstances and paths that you might not necessarily want to go in. Yeah, and I remember one time talking with somebody um, teaching seminary and them saying, like, why are we born in such a scary time? Like, you'll get done with these chapters and you'll think to yourself, I, I, I'm like freaked out. Like, I don't even want to live and I don't even want to like, you know. Send my kids to school. Yeah, yeah. You're just, right, right. That I don't want to do that. And I hope that like, don't just read any of the danger stuff because you have to get into yeah. where he's, how exciting it is to live in, in this day. Um, sometimes there's stuff that goes around saying that like, oh, there's a prophecy that this day before the second coming will be as wicked as the time of Noah, you know. But then at the same time, like God is a God of um, opposition in all things, which means it will also be one of the greatest mm -hmm. times in the world also. Yep. I love there's two verses that show that so well in chapter 2 Nephi 28. The first one's in verse 16. And he says this, Woe unto them that turn aside the just for a thing of naught and revile against that which is good and say it is of no worth. For the day shall come that the Lord God will speedily visit the inhabitants of the earth. And in that day when they are fully ripe in iniquity, they shall perish. So you've got that on one hand, right? It's exactly what you're talking about. It, it's those kinds of things that were like, I don't know if I wanted to live in this time. Well, but, then if you read, are you going to come to this part where it talks about like what the devil's going to be like in that time? Do where you it's want like, to? Yes, I, well, I, this is part. the scary part. Okay. You know, where it says, <laughs> and in that day he will rage in the hearts of the children of men and stir them up into anger. And then others, he will do a little bit more gently. He'll pacify them and lull them away into carnal security and cheat their souls and lead them carefully down to hell. Like, I, <laughs> I like hate those ones, you know? Yes. And you're just like, ah, like it just makes you a little bit nervous. nervous. And it's interesting because in 2018, President Nelson talked about this. Do you remember? That's when he gave us the call as a church to kind of remodel our homes, right? To create these sanctuaries of faith. And all of a sudden, everything was going to become home-centered. And he talks about the reason why we do that, he told us in that conference, is because the adversary is stepping up his attack. And he is becoming better at what he does to dissuade us from good. And I he even love... gave a number, remember? Wasn't it like four times? I don't, don't remember. Do you remember President Nelson? He's like, he says four times as diligent right now. And I was yeah. like, 
<laughs> Where did you get that number? <laughs> yes. Um, but I love that part of the answer comes in verse 30. And it's what we hear President Nelson talking about over and over again. And it says this, Blessed are those who hearken unto my precepts and lend an ear unto my counsel. So those would both be protections, right? Hearken unto the pre- precepts and um, and lend an ear to my counsel. And then here comes the promise, For they shall learn wisdom for unto him that receiveth, I will give more. And as we think about that, particularly in relation to receiving revelation, and our prophet just keeps telling us about our ability to receive revelation and not just being able to hear the spirit and prepare to hear the spirit, but he's talking about revelation. He's talking about the temple and the protection that comes from the temple. He's talking about the priesthood and how we should be using that we're living under the privilege of what we could be with the priesthood. And he's talking to the women of the church about rising up to a higher standard. And you almost see him watching what the adversary is doing and telling us, okay, I'm going to help you rise to the level of protection that we need in the church right now. Because it's interesting. You look in your families and in your faith communities, in your wards and neighborhoods and in your stakes, how many people Satan is actually doing exactly these things. In verses 20 to 22, he's leading them carefully down to hell, right? He's pacifying them. He's just quietly coming in and taking the ones that he wants that, that will come. And in the meantime, I think we have a prophet who's saying we have got to strengthen our homes. We've got to create these sanctuaries of faith. There is a power here within our homes and we have to be deliberate about it and careful about it and intentional about what we're doing. One of the things I love about the Book of Mormon that the Book of Mormon does really well, and we're going to see it again in future chapters, is it generally will lay out what the problem is and right next to it in that same set of chapters, it will lay out what the answer is. So we saw in the dream, remember? when there was the mist and the river and the building and the that great big field, right? That's all tactics of the adversary. And then right next to it, we see the rod and the, the tree and, and the straight path yeah. and all of those things where it's, it's God's answer. The same thing is going to happen in these chapters. That's what you want to be watching for. From 26 to 30, you want the tactics of the devil. You want to look for what the abominable church is. You want to look for the dangers of the day we live in, but you want to be looking just as closely for the protection and the promises. Sometimes we forget forget those two parts. We get so caught up in the what scares us, what gives right. us anxiety, right. you know, all of those things that make us think, I don't want my kids to ever leave my house. When in reality, God's like, no, no, look, here's the good. Here's what's going to protect you. Here's what will keep you safe. Here's how we go out and gather and save all of the people who we love. It's all in here. He gave it all to us so we could move forward with it. And I think in this chapter that we're in, in 28, there's actually two things that are really helpful along those lines of like, okay, then give us maybe some of those things. And one of them is when we were talking about earlier, that in 24, he oh, says, I love this one. Woe be unto him that is at ease in Zion. When you teach this, you have to talk about the army. Like you want to go into the army, find a video, find something there, because you're going to notice there are two words that are important in 
battle or in training um, as you go through that. And one is stand at attention and the other is at ease. At ease, bottom. Yes. Not partner. Right? I all of a sudden became a cowboy. You can't Sorry. be a cowboy. Um, you, um, when you stand at attention, that is when the commander is telling you really important stuff. And you think how many times in scripture we have been told to stand right? Stand in holy places. When you read in Ephesians about the armor of God, it's going to tell you to stand, therefore, with that armor um, around you. The, the Lord is constantly reminding us, I need you to stand. And this is one of the reasons why, because he tells us right here, woe be unto him that is at ease in Zion, right? At ease is you put down your defenses, you you kind of aren't paying as much attention anymore. That's where the trouble is going to come. And that's where the solution is really simple. What he's saying is just don't be at ease. Just be at attention. Just don't just kind of put your defenses down. It's not hard. Um, one of the things he says in here is right after that is, um, where is it? He says, oh, 29. We have received the word of God and we don't need any more of the word of God. He says, those are the people that are going to be in danger. Not the ones who are like, okay, I'm ready. Um, tell me what you want to tell me. Next. Guide me. Mm -hmm. And then what's so nice, neat and nice at the same time, mm -hmm. nice is in verse 30. Sometimes when we look at something really, really big and we think, oh my gosh, uh, so, uh, there's all this attack on all these different sides. Uh, I got my kids. I got da, da, da. When you look at the big project, it can overwhelm you. But the advice at the beginning of 30 from the Lord was, I'm going to give you line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. And that is such great advice. Just the question, what's my next, next step? Yeah. What should I be focusing on right now? That simple question. And that is that is a protection scripture. Yeah. So good. So you're going to love all this part. It's probably where you'll spend the majority of your time this week is here. But there's a couple other little things we don't want you to miss. And so just as we end, we're going to send you a couple fun directives. One is in chapter 26. And um, it's an invitation that starts in verse 24. And then we're going to go to verse 33. And it's something that we are both super passionate about. In fact, we should list a whole bunch of songs that people can listen to because we have so many that we love about this. Um, he says in verse, I'm in 2 Nephi 26, 24, He doth nothing save it be for the benefit of the world. For he loveth the world, even that he layeth down his own life, that he may draw all men unto him. And I love when the scriptures use the word all because the percentage of all is... 100 right it's everybody he's he wants to draw everybody unto him but in case we don't get it the first time he's going to tell us in verse 33 here let me explain to you what all men looks like yeah and it, he lists it out right and again here's that line at the beginning of 33 again for he doeth that which is good among the children of men and the way you saw it in 24 was he doesn't do anything except to be for the benefit of the world so if you're in a place where you're just kind of like not understanding how God is moving and working, one thing you can be sure of is whatever he's doing is for your good and for your benefit. And that might take time for that to show, but like, I just think that's a really, really important promise to like, 
you know, one that inspires hope to look. He says, he says, he laid down his life so that he would draw you unto him. What is going to persuade you to come unto Christ is the fact that he laid down his life. That was his proof. I promise you, everything I do is for your good and for your benefit. But look at this list in 33. He doeth that which is good among the children of men, all of them. And he doeth nothing, save it be plain unto the children of men. And he invited them all, 100%, to come unto him and partake of his goodness. And he denieth none that come unto him. Black and white, bond and free, male and female, he even remembers the heathen. I love that line in 33, you know, where it's just like, look, you could be this total heathen of a person, right? And he has not forgotten you either. All are alike unto God. Both um, Jew and Gentile. Like, so every one of those groups. Yes, it's so many. And one of our favorite songs, will you look up the lyrics, is by the Sidewalk Prophets, and it's called Come to the Table. I'll just sing it. But, Come <laughs> to the table. Okay, well, he's looking it up. We'll have a solo. Um, there's so many. Come as you are is one of our favorites. Um, we'll list a couple of them that you can go and just get a feeling of. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about everybody. He's talking about Anyone that you can think of is invited. And there's one part in that song where he gives us this list of who he's talking about. And to the thief. Oh, there yeah, it is. He says this. Listen to this list of people. To the thief and to the doubter, to the hero and the coward, to the prisoner and the soldier, to the young, to the older, all who hunger, all who thirst, all the last, all the first, all the paupers and the princes, all who fall, you've been forgiven. All who dream, all who suffer, all who loved and lost another, all the chained, all the free, all who follow, all who lead, anyone who's been let down, all the lost, you have been found, all who've been labeled right or wrong, everyone who hears this song. And then he gives that invitation, just come to the table. Like the invitation the is grace for table. everyone. It's so good. Um, and we love that that lesson is taught so clearly here in chapter 26, that he's, he just wants to make sure everybody knows that everybody's welcome here. Um, we love that part. The other part that we love is going to be, where are we going? 20? Oh, tw okay. It's, it happens twice. So chapter 27, 2 Nephi 27, is an Isaiah chapter. And this chapter is all about the coming forth of the Book of Mormon and the witness... Oh, excuse me. I was getting yeah. emotional. <laughs> the witnesses and um, and that story of um, I think the the what's the book called? The Come Follow Me book talks a little bit about um, those stories that happen in church history with Martin Harris taking the words and he says, "I can't read this. It's a sealed book." That is that chapter. Um, but the phrase that comes up in that chapter and then it's used again in chapter twenty nine is a marvelous work and a wonder. And that's a phrase that everybody is familiar with, a marvelous work and a wonder. Um, it's a code name for uh, the restoration, mm -hmm. which really is, and I think this is really important as we're like focusing on the restoration right now. The restoration isn't um, Joseph Smith's project, it's God's work. Mm. That is what's happening. God is restoring truth, he's restoring people, um, he's, he's restoring goodness. He's doing all these, all these things. And if in the we want to see how God does his work, the restoration is a good picture, but we have to remember it's, that's God's purpose is 
restoring and the restoration. And we love this one part about Marvelous where it talks about, I will proceed to do a marvelous work. I'm in 2 Nephi 27, 26, um, because we've been doing a lot of research on the restoration right now and on the doctrine and covenants. And as we've been reading, did you know that clear at the very beginning, the first vision was not called the first vision? When Joseph Smith labeled the first vision, he called it an account of the history of Joseph Smith the account of his marvelous experience. Hmm. Who loves that? Don't you wish it was called the marvelous experience <laughs> instead of the first vision? Right. Yeah. And, and everything that you watch God do, what it is, is he says this line in chapter 27, verse 21, I will show unto the children of men that I'm able to do mine own work. Hmm. So when you watch this grand scale, all these great big things that God is doing, Really, he's doing it as a demonstration to show all of us what he's able to do with us as individuals. The great miracles that he does since 1820 are miracles that, that that's the same God who's performing and reaching out to us in the same individual ways. You know, and even like you look at, for example, the coming forth of the Book of Mormon is evidence that God hasn't forgotten his people. Right? That's that's what it shows, mm -hmm. that we worship and believe in a God who doesn't forget anybody. And who's still talking to his people. And his people are still recording that voice. Um, and even, I, even, and we've said this before, at the end of a disaster. Mm -hmm. The end of the Book of Mormon is a catastrophe. You know, and you would kind of think, take that out with the trash. <laughs> like, we're done with those people. And instead, God was like, I'm not done with them. I'm not finished. So, bury the plates and 100 years later, I'm going to send angels and miracles, and we're going to gather those people again. Bring them all back together again. And he totally talks about that in this book. There's a part in, um, or in this chapter, also in this whole book, but in this chapter. <laughs> in 2 Nephi 27, um, it's so interesting how he's leading into what even is restoration. And it might be fun to talk to your families about restoration. Restoration isn't just something that happened in, back in New York with the church. Like, talk about what other things get restored. Do you have a piece of furniture that's been restored? Do you have a car that's been restored? What does it mean to restore something? And that is the character of God, is to restore things. And I love it. Just down from 26, he teaches us. In verse 27, he's saying, Woe unto them who try to hide their counsel from the Lord, and who's, they say, Who even sees us? And who even knows us? And then he's going to start talking about the potter's clay and the potter. And lots of times we talk about the potter in a light that is super positive. But in this moment, he's going to talk about even the people who say they don't know who I am are going to have to at some point say, I know all their works. For shall the work say of him that made it, he made me not. And at the end of the day, he's going to say, I, I made you and I made you and I made you. And there's not a piece that is more priceless than another piece. There's not a work that has greater importance than another work. It's all his work. He made all of us and he loves all of us just as much as one of us, and I love if you turn a couple of chapters over to 2 Nephi 29, in verse 5, the very last sentence he says, I, the Lord, have not forgotten my people. Mm. 
And then in verse nine at the end, he says, for my work is not yet finished. And that is such a great promise. That might be the greatest promise of all of these chapters is he's not gonna forget. Even the ones who look like they're broken, the ones who are the heathen, the ones who are on the side of the road, he's not gonna forget that work. And if it doesn't look fully restored yet, it just means his work isn't finished. And what we know about the church right now is restoration is an ongoing process, right? This is a living church. That is what God calls it at the very beginning of the Doctrine and Covenants. It's living. It is still being restored. And it will be because God just told us, I'm not finished yet. I'm not finished yet with the church. I'm not finished yet with the people. There's no one you know that God is finished with yet because his work is people. Right. And he's going to keep restoring all of us until the end, until it's over. And I love that promise of the restoration. Yeah. And in 2 by 30, verse 8, kind of says a similar thing. Shall come to pass that the Lord God will commence his work among all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, both peoples and individual, right? To bring about the restoration of his people upon mm -hmm. the earth. And if you remember, the restoration is to come back to its original state. Well, that original state is the Garden of Eden. That is God's end goal. Let's get everybody back to that place, that paradisiacal place. In yeah, there's their spot. no mosquitoes. Yeah. Let's talk about all the good things about no <laughs> and, thorns. You know, and that's how 30 ends. 30 ends by a description about the millennium, which is just fantastic. That this is, and, and you'll read it and you'll say like, that's not our world yet. Mm. You know, because 12 says the wolf will lie down with the lamb and the leopard's going to lie down with the little calf mm -hmm. together. And that might be about animals. And one day, maybe animals really will lie down together. That's nice. Um, but I think it's talking more about people every time there, right? That there are predatory people and they prey on people. And he's saying like, one day that won't exist mm, anymore. Won't that be so nice? Yeah, one day, one day you can put your hand anywhere you want, right? It says the kids will be able to put their hands into the hole of a snake and they won't be harmed. And won't that be nice to just like let the kids like, oh, go look at whatever you want mm -hmm. on the computer. Put your hand wherever you'd like. Walk wherever you want. Hang out with whoever you want to because there isn't going to be any harm there. Yeah, what's that one line that I loved so much that I just read oh, you? Oh, 18. In verse 18, because it says this, who loves this part? Because Satan shall have power over the hearts of the children of men no more for a long time. Oh, I love that. He's like, in case you didn't get it with no more, I'm just going to let you know for a long time. It's right. so good. That's and, a good ending. Yeah. And the, and the, way, and the re, way it's going to end, the way it's going to get there is that individually God's going to keep working and changing mm -hmm. every single one of us, you know, yep. until and, eventually. Oh. And that brings such comfort. If you're a mom or if you're a family where you're looking at one of your kids and you're worried and you're up at night praying and your tears water your pillow, you just keep praying. And then you remind yourself what God says in this chapter. I'm not finished yet. Yeah. That process of restoration is going to keep going. God doesn't give up. Oh, and where's that line where he says, and we read it, so go rewind back where he just says, I can do my own mm. work, right? If yeah. I can turn this world into a peaceful, paradisiacal place again, it means I can do the same thing with hearts. Yeah. So 
you maybe just ask, what's my next step? Mm -hmm. What's my next step? What do you want to give me more and more of? And he just says, and then you just put your eye on me, right? I laid down my life for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Let me do my work. Right. So good. Good, good. Okay, see you okay. next week. Adios. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.